Well, go ahead and have a seat. Welcome to Village Church. This is your first time here. My name is Steve. I'm one of the pastors here at Village Church. And as always, I'm thankful and grateful to see each and every one of you. Happy Easter. Today is the day that we set aside to celebrate specifically the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you have a Bible, go ahead and open it to John chapter 3. We're going to be reading John 3.16 along with other passages this morning. But we know that from history that thousands of people died on the cross as a means of an execution under the rule of the Roman Empire. But we only really think about one of those crucifixions. And the reason that we only think about one of those crucifixions and one real death by execution throughout all of the centuries is because only one of them rose from the dead, and that was Jesus Christ. Uh, really, this morning, I could go through all of the historical evidences, all of the reasons that I believe it to be an objective fact that Jesus rose from the dead, from the, the changed lives of the apostles to the historical records that were written within just a few years of the events outside of Scripture by people who weren't even Christians to the changed lives of the thousands of Christians, to the 500 eyewitnesses, to the biblical accounts, and on and on and on. We could go through it, but it is not enough to factually believe that it was an event that happened in history. Believing in facts is not the same thing as having faith. Faith is a different thing. Like I said, there's plenty of evidence, but it doesn't answer the question, why? Why did God do such a thing? We know that Jesus Christ in Scripture is the one who spoke the world into existence, who upholds the world, Hebrews 1 tells us, by his very hand. Why would that God become one of his creation? Why would that God lower himself to dying on the cross? Why would that God enter into history with a natural law that he himself created and then defy that law by bringing life to death? And so I hope this morning to just kind of talk to you as to why and why faith in the resurrection, life-changing faith, is so vital for each and every one of your lives if you know anything about Christianity, you know that Christianity is based on what we call the gospel. The gospel literally just means good news. And so this morning, as is my way, I want to give you three reasons why the gospel is such good news. First, this morning, the gospel is good news because the resurrection connects you with God's love. Because the resurrection connects you with God's love. The Apostle John was writing in John 3, and he records a conversation that Jesus was having with one of the religious leaders. And Jesus explains why he became a human being in what really is one of the most famous verses that most people know about. But if you don't, John 3.16 says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. In the original language, that first phrase, for God so loves the world, literally means this is the way in which God shows his love to the world. That the level at which God loves each and every one of us is the level that he would sacrifice the life of the eternal son for your salvation. 
And that's fascinating given the reality of the fact that he had to give his life not because of anything that God needed, but because of something that you and I needed. The fact of the matter is, is the good news is good news because of bad news that most of you already know, but I want to break some bad news for you because I know that's why you came this morning. You're a filthy sinner. You have sinned against a holy and righteous God. And we don't often think about what does that actually mean. What that means is God has told you a host of things in his word that you're supposed to do with your life, and you haven't done all of them. But on the flip side of that, it also means that God has also told you a bunch of things that you're not to do with your life, and you've also done those things. And because of that, you have sinned against him. He has absolute authority over your life. He knows how you're supposed to live your life. He's told you how to live your life, and you have failed to do that along with every single person in the history of the world since Adam and Eve originally sinned. You've sinned against God. I've sinned against God, and it's bad news because God is so righteous and he is so holy that sin cannot be in his presence at all. And because his holiness and righteousness also mean that he demands justice, he cannot just ignore my sin. He cannot just sweep it under the rug because that would mean he was unjust. But God is just, therefore, I have to pay a penalty. You have to pay a penalty. And you can pay that penalty if you so choose, but that penalty is eternal condemnation under the wrath of God forever. But God loves you and me to the level by which he is willing to pay the penalty for my sin and your sin himself. Why did Jesus become a human being? He became a human being because that was the only chance at salvation I had. It's the only chance at salvation you have. He came and lived in this world for over 30 years. Can you imagine this? That for over 30 years, God the Son became one of his creatures and never sinned. That means that unlike you and me, Jesus did everything that the Father said he was supposed to do, and he didn't do any of the things that the Father said he wasn't supposed to do. Could you imagine? He lived such a perfect life that he never even did the right thing for the wrong reasons. And I do that a lot because I like the applause of man. Jesus never had that problem. Every moment of his life, every second of his life, every thought of his life, Jesus did the right thing. Every time. That's what makes the cross such an amazing feat of love because Jesus Christ had no sins of his own to pay for. Jesus Christ willingly substituted himself for my sin and for your sin. For God loved the world in this way, at this level, that he gave his only son. If you understand what it means that he gave his son, that means that he sent his son to the death that I deserve and you deserve. The apostle Paul summed it up in this way in Ephesians chapter 2. He said that you are all, like the rest of mankind, dead in your sins, but God... Being rich in mercy, why? Why was he rich in mercy? Because of the love with which he 
He loved us. That's the level of love. Even when we were dead in our trespasses or sins, he made us alive with Christ. By grace, you've been saved and raised us up with him, seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Sin makes us spiritually dead to God. He had to do something to bring us back because in death there was nothing we could do to bring ourselves back. That is the place that Jesus stepped in. That is the level of love that God has shown you. That is why Jesus Christ came. That is why Jesus Christ went to the cross. That is why Jesus Christ died. Because he loves you and because he paid the penalty for your sin and my sin. I said earlier that you can choose to pay the penalty for your sin, and you can. You can reject faith in Jesus Christ. You can reject that the penalty has been paid for you, but that means that you will have to pay the penalty for your own sin, and that will take an eternity. Why would you make that decision? God gave such great love while we deserve death. He paid the penalty the love came at such a great cost, but that text in Ephesians 2 said that he has raised us up, that he has given us life. He's seated us in the heavenly places with Jesus if we believe, and that gives us the second thing. See, it's one thing to say that you love someone. A lot of people say that they love you. A lot of people have said that they love me throughout my life, but they didn't mean it. They didn't really mean it because they didn't do anything about it. They just said, oh, you know, oh, I love you, man. And really, the question that you really need to ask somebody if they say they love you, well, how can I know for sure? What have you done? Well, Jesus has done something. Jesus has done everything that needs to be done to give you life. And that's why, number two this morning, the resurrection is good news because the resurrection connects you with God's life. Jesus' love is not just some notion. It is not just some mystical thing. It's not just a feeling. It is a tangible reality in which Jesus has done something in real time, in this world, in human history, to prove to you that you have the love of God because he wants to give you the life of God. The same apostle John that wrote John 3.16 also wrote in John 1.4 describing the mission of Jesus he says, in him, in Jesus was life, and the life was the light of men. That's the thing about sin is that it doesn't bring light, nor does it bring life. It only brings darkness and death. If you look at the world, there are so many things that just aren't right. So many things that just instinctively we look at it and we say, this is wrong. This is not good. This is a very dark world and it is filled with pain and it is filled with death. And John tells us Jesus came to bring light into darkness. He came to bring life into death. There is a deserved condemnation because of sin that gives you the absence of any hope. And Jesus came to eradicate hopelessness. It's an important focus of the death of Jesus Christ. 
That in that death, he takes the penalty we deserve so that we can be forgiven. But if all that Jesus did was die, it wouldn't be enough. It would mean he was like every other criminal. If Jesus only died, it would have meant that he had sin of his own to pay for. And if he had sin of his own to pay for, it would mean that he's just a regular man like me. And there's nothing that I can do to save you from your sin. But Jesus, having no sin, didn't stay dead. His resurrection shows us two vital realities for you to have life. First, it means that Jesus has power over sin and death. When Jesus gave up his life as a substitute for me and for you on that cross, he undid the power of death because he did not deserve to die. He was God. Therefore, when he physically, literally, not just spiritually, not just like in a moral tale, rather, he physically got up three days later and walked out of that grave, showing that sin and death did not have power over him. He has power over sin and death. The second thing that it means is his power means he has victory over sin and death. And do you know that's what you need? Death and the reminders of the curse of sin in this world are all around us. Yet Jesus in his resurrection shows that his power gives him victory over sin and death. I am going to physically die someday. You will physically die someday. And Jesus in his resurrection shows that power over sin and death can give life on the other side of the grave. Therefore, if you believe the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, it means that you will have the power of resurrection. That is the reality of living in light of Jesus' resurrection. Note what the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 6, starting in verse 4. He says, We were buried, therefore, with Jesus by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we've been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. In just a few moments, a few people will practice the Christian rite of baptism They will show you their faith in Jesus by taking part in a symbol that God has given us to celebrate the new life that Jesus has given us in light of his resurrection. Yes, we will be resurrected in the future if we have faith in Jesus Christ. But according to Romans 6, that new life of resurrection starts the moment that you come to faith in Jesus Christ. You have a new life under a new master. Sin no longer has dominion over you. Now you belong to the God that created you, the God that designed you, the God that breathed life into the lungs of man, yet we tried to steal it in rebellion and sin. And God has the power and authority to give it back to us. And in his great love with Jesus's great power, because of Jesus's great victory, he wants to give life. Life back to you. Faith in Jesus means that sin no longer has to be your master. God can be the master of life. Faith baptizes or immerses us 
into the life of God. We're, yes, we are united with him in a death like his. That is for the forgiveness of our sin. But that's not the end. You need more than forgiveness. You need a new life. Therefore, we are also united in a life like his through the resurrection to live by faith and freedom through Jesus. Life comes from God and Jesus is the source. Trust him. Believe in him. Gives you love. He gives you life. But here's the other thing that we often don't think about. The resurrection is also good news because the resurrection connects you with God's people. The resurrection connects you with God's people. Jesus gives you a new life to live in relationship with God. This is crazy. Sin separates us from God, quite literally. He can't have it in his presence. Therefore, he can't have you in his presence because he's so holy. Therefore, there is a strain in the relationship that completely divides you. It makes you an enemy of God because he hates sin at that level. But the death of Jesus Christ takes down the barrier of sin and makes your relationship with God right so that you can be fully reconciled with God forever. But here's the fascinating thing. That reconciliation isn't just for you. It's true for every single person that believes. In Matthew 28, starting in verse 18, Jesus makes a bold statement. He proclaims that his power and his victory proves that he is Lord of all. Here's what he says. Jesus came to them and said, this is fascinating because... Jesus has died on the cross, he's risen from the dead, goes up to the top of the mountain, his followers are around him, we know that at least over a hundred people were there, and then he says, all authority in heaven and on earth have been given to me. That's an easy one for them to admit to, because he was dead, they watched him die, these same people, they watched him be put into a grave by professional executioners. They weren't amateurs. They knew how to kill people. They knew how to make sure that they were dead. Then they're standing on a mountain and they're saying, he was dead, yet he's right here in front of us, standing, talking, claiming authority. Yeah, he's got it. I believe it. That's not difficult for them to trust at that point. And then he looks at them and he says, in light of the authority that I have, go therefore, make disciples. Tell people, you are not the end of the story of salvation. Jesus wants you to take it to as many people as you can in your lifetime. Then he says, baptize them in the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Jesus walks with us every step of the way. Never leaves us. Never says you're on your own. Never says you have to walk it, you have to talk it, you have to live it alone. He walks with us, he talks with us, he carries us when we're tired. Just a few moments, like I said, people will be baptized because salvation can only be found in him, therefore baptism can only be in his name. There is no other God. There is no other path of salvation. Because there is no other God that became a human being, lived a perfect life, died a sinner's death, and then rose from the dead to tell us death is not the end of the story. It's the beginning of eternity. 
Why baptism? Because it represents being immersed into the life of God through the work of Jesus and joining the family of the church of Jesus Christ to give you a new mission because taking God's life and love to others is what Jesus Christ is all about. How do you live out your faith? can't just be a fact that I memorize. It can't just be a fact that I look at and say, yes, I agree, it happened. It has to be something that overwhelms me to where I base my life on it. I say, if he rose, then that has implications. That has a life that it's supposed to give me. And it is a life to love others the way that God has loved others, to live the way that Jesus lived, to take his salvation to other people so that they can know the authority of God and Jesus' mission and his cross prove it and the resurrection seals the deal. Jesus is what life is all about and it gives you a good news that is so good that it connects more people to God's life, to his love, to his power, and to his victory. Telling others begins in the most unique way. It begins with baptism. People proclaim, I believe, I want his life. And then Jesus says, the first step in discipleship is that you publicly proclaim it to everyone. That's why we don't baptize people alone in bathtubs at home. We do it publicly. We do it vocally because it represents the mission that God gives you. God has loved you so much that he wants you to be lowered in a death like his into the water that represents purification from sin. It represents the forgiveness that all of us need. And then we are raised up to a new life in which sin no longer has dominion. I belong to God. I live under his authority. Won't you believe? Won't you trust him? Friends, I tell you with 100% certainty, Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And that changes everything. Won't you give him your life? Won't you trust him? Won't you live for him? He has all authority in heaven and on earth think about it. He shows it by taking your sin. He shows it by taking the penalty that you deserve. And he shows it by giving you hope after death. That is a God worth following.